Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. This is Jobeth. It's Liz. And Ariel is at her job. And we are popping on here to tell you real quick about a special episode that we have done for you here. This isn't going to be relevant necessarily to all of our listeners. And we may even have some new listeners who are tuning in just to listen to this. So if you are in that first category of regular listeners who the topic is irrelevant to, still hang tight and listen because there's cool stuff in this interview. Like most of our episodes, we end up talking about food. We talk about movies, but we also talk about what our, uh, our guest is doing. Um, for those who are here just for this interview specifically, um, don't just leave after this. We've got a lot of crazy episodes that are not boring droning on law talk that you might want to check out subscribe to and um you know hear more about what we do and interact so um i'm this is like a legit guest like i mean not that our other guests haven't been legit but i don't this is like someone who is like in the public eye a little bit so to for, speak for, for a law podcast there's actually relevance and now don't get me wrong i absolutely my still my favorite guest is is uh cheeks who brought us food brought us tacos yeah. nothing beats that um they live in baltimore county like right yeah they do um so ho- hopefully they hear this and if not you know make sure you send it to them so we uh, have um we did an interview with robbie leonard he is running for state's attorney for baltimore county so he's running <laughs> to be the prosecutor here. And um, he's a fellow attorney. And we asked him if he'd come on our silly little podcast for some shenanigans. And he said, yes. So man of the people right there. And if you are affiliated with anybody else running for one of those, this seats, whether it be the incumbent who's a Democrat running in this primary, any of the Republicans, if you'd like to be interviewed on this podcast, the door is open to anybody. We'll ask you a lot of the same questions if we have listeners who have questions that they want to be asked that come in between now and another interview, feel free, reach out to us, airquotelawpod at gmail.com. If you have questions for Robbie that you can't find him on social media, send those to us. We'll make sure that we get you connected with him. Um, but yeah, we are, we're recording this interview, the, this intro after we've done the interview. So we already know how cool it is and your guys are about to find out. So um, without further ado, here is us talking to Robbie Leonard, who is a candidate for the Baltimore County State's Attorney's Office. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. So we are here doing something a little bit different. In fact, I think, no, it's not. Um, I was going to say, I think this is our first interview and our first guest, but we had the tacos on um back in february but um there's that time my dog trainer went on vacation with and, me. and the dog trainer so yeah and then tim was there with no shirt on that one time but um <laughs> so anyway we are here with um robbie leonard and robbie leonard is another attorney so um that's he's like the a legit guest. he's not just like someone that happened to be in the vicinity of me when i was recording like we planned this and everything exactly and he didn't bring us food but we won't hold that against him uh which is another great way if you want to come be on the show bring us food but um robbie is a practicing attorney but he's also running for state's attorney in baltimore county which is probably what the third or fourth largest population district or whatever in the state of maryland yeah we're number three yeah it's uh, montgomery county and prince george's county ahead of us and then baltimore county is third and yeah. for those of you that don't know what a state's attorney is because um as some states they call them district attorneys they call them different things it's it's the the prosecutor um so i'm a defense attorney and the opposing party who is representing the state they're the ones who are, you know, calling the officers as the witnesses and bringing the case against 
the defendant, the person who is charged. Ding, ring your law bell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We said something law related. We ding a bell when we say something law related because there's not a lot of that that goes on here. Despite the fact that that the words law pod are in the title of the podcast, we uh, do what we can to stay as far off of those topics. But sometimes it creeps in <laughs> seeing as there's usually three of us here that are lawyers that are the hosts of this show. So, um, yeah. So for anybody who's listening who doesn't know in the state of Maryland and most other states there when it comes to a criminal offense. And I'm saying this this way because we get an inordinate amount of calls to our office covering this topic or asking and requesting that we pursue criminal charges against people, there are not private prosecutors, at least not in the state of Maryland for criminal cases. So it's an elected office. We, you know, we, we could even get into that. I actually uh, was thinking about trying to do that. Thinking about trying to bring a private case as a prosecutor. You know, there was a there was a uh, appellate decision like a, a year ago, sometime in the past year, um, where a mother of her son was killed by the police in Baltimore City. And she kept begging the Baltimore City State's attorney to prosecute the police officer who shot her son. He was having like a mental episode, a psychiatric break in his backyard. He gets shot in the head and killed. And the prosecutor wouldn't do it. And she tried for years trying to make it happen. And um, there's this really unique appellate decision that says that you do have like a private right of action and being able to take your case to a grand jury if a prosecutor refuses to put it on. And like, I want to take it to that next level where you can hire your own attorney to present a case to the grand jury. So it's something I thought about. So I don't know. That's cool. So the door is there potentially for something like that. But as of right now, it's not. And it's up to the elected official in each of Maryland's 24 jurisdictions being the 23 counties. And then Baltimore City is its own entity as far as having a state's attorney. And then they hire all the attorneys in that office to and assign cases to to prosecute them. So um yeah, what, um, what, let, let's start with the low-hanging fruit. What uh, motivated you to uh, jump in this race? <clears throat> Look, I, I, like you guys, I have always been on the other side, right? I've, I've never worked at the state's attorney's office. I've never been an assistant state's attorney. Um, so most people would think I'm crazy for wanting to do this. I know uh, the incumbent thinks I'm crazy for challenging him, but um yeah, starting my career was at the public defender's but office. To, to be fair, mo- politically, most incumbents think that anybody that would challenge them are crazy to do so. Yeah. Not just to the state's attorney's office, any office, really. That's true. Um, but, I, you know, I started my career at the public defender's office in Baltimore City. And, um, you know, I spent a couple of years during law school there. And then five years after I graduated law school as an attorney at the office, um, I was in both adult and juvenile courts in the city and then also on their government relations team where I testified in Annapolis every day um, <clears throat> on all kinds of legislation, you know, wh- whether it was when we were trying to repeal the death penalty or decriminalizing marijuana or just fighting against, you know, increasing uh, maximum penalties for like every sentence ever. And that was like 10 years ago. And that was my first encounter with the Baltimore County State's Attorney, who's still in office now. And we were always on opposite sides of issues. And back then I was thinking like, this guy is a Democrat. Like we don't agree on anything. Like our values are completely contrary to each other. Um, And, you know, fast forward, uh, it was just two years ago after the murder of George Floyd and, you know, everybody's taken to the streets, demanding change, demanding just like common sense police reform, and here in Baltimore County, uh, our, our council members took note. They listened to the activists and put in a bill on, on common sense police reform, like banning chokeholds, having de-escalation training, bias training. I was one of 52 people in Baltimore County that signed up uh, to testify in support of that bill. And the incumbent, Scott Schellenberger, was one of two people against it. It was him and the president of the Fraternal Order of Police in the county. And it was really at that moment I was like, this dude still hasn't changed. Like he has not caught up with the times. He is still fighting against 
common sense progress in our criminal justice system. Uh, and so although I had never thought about being a prosecutor before, I decided now is the opportunity. Now is the time that somebody has to challenge this guy. And so is it, it's just you and him in the race? We're the two Democrats. So he was first elected in 2006, and that was the very last time he had a Democrat run against him uh, is when there was an open seat. Uh, what's that like 16 years ago now? Um, there are two Republicans running. Um, one, I think, retired from the practice of law 12 years ago, and he was in workers' comp. And the other, I think, is like a kind of general practitioner, but more of like a bankruptcy attorney. So if I get through uh, the primary, it's going to be a very interesting general election. But I think they're very MAGA types on the right. Interesting. Well, yeah, that's... I don't really think I would want someone that doesn't have experience in the criminal law field leading the state's attorneys on. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I mean, I don't want MAGA types existing really anywhere near me anyways. So, you know. Well, in the current climate of what's going on throughout this country, they def that is definitely a place that I would say does not benefit that office at any at any place from having that mindset running it it just you know and it's such an odd thing because we're recording this episode on the day that we're about to have the the result what, what are they doing the re, announcing the results of the inquiry on the january 6th stuff so yeah, some some kind of uh, like nationally televised on every TV station except for Fox News, just uh, talking about I guess what they learned, what what they found out. So it, it was an odd period of time of these staunch pro law enforcement, pro police, pro whatever, completely fl flipping the script and being like, you know, fuck you all, fuck law and order all this stuff and obviously the 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 turmoil that happened on on january 6th it, it just it's a it's an odd place and, and an odd mindset and and to take that mindset and put it into a position of 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 great power with respect to law enforcement in the you know the third largest county in this state is that would be a very scary thing now that's obviously general election work so um county is a pretty blue county i believe so you know um i'd say it's purple um you know it's a county that joe biden won very handily over donald trump um four years ago in the county executive race uh, our democratic county executive got elected by over a hundred thousand votes over the republican but it's a county that voted for larry hogan you know and I think all across Maryland, maybe Larry Hogan is that unicorn um, that can get Democrats to vote for him. But, you know, Democrats here in Baltimore County can switch party lines and, and vote Republican. So, um, you know, just if I win the primary, it's not like I can take off and go on vacation, maybe maybe a trip, a, a quick trip away. But I, I'm going to have to earn the general election if I get through the primary. Yeah, I always like thought it was I haven't heard this um, in a while because mostly I don't know I just maybe I just talk to smarter people now. But <laughs> when people are like, I, I remember hearing a lot, especially like back when I was in college, and I was, uh, I was one of the, you know, I was in like the, the progressive Democrats group, and I was, um, you know, doing all that. And people would be like, well, you shouldn't vote for someone just based on party alone. And I'm like, if I know one fact about a person, that should probably help. Like yeah. that should do it. I mean, I'm never voting Republican. I'm just not like there's, you know, they, people say like, Oh, you know, never, like never say never. No, I'll, I'll, I'll come out and say it. Like, it's just not, I just don't see that in the cards for me. So I think if you know one thing about someone and that's, what's going to influence your vote, that's probably a big fucking thing. Well, you know, the, the, the here's a funny thing. And now that we're like really in the thick of election season, Okay. Uh, now when you drive, you're going to see signs up for all these different candidates everywhere. Look at, look at all the signs and see if it says what party they're in. 
you know, I've always made a conscious effort to put my party on a sign, on a t-shirt or whatever, because like you said, if there's one thing you got to know about somebody's their party. So it, it always says Democrat for state's attorney, um, Democrat on there, because I want people to have an immediate connection, you know, and like, why, why should they have to Google me after they drove past me to figure out at least one thing about me? Right. So I think it's helpful to put your party on there. Don't hide it. You know, when people vote on Election Day, they're going to see either a D or an R next to your name. So you might as well be upfront about it uh, on that first sign that they see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know because um, I know I told you when you were coming on to this podcast, we are I mean, our podcast skews pretty liberal. I think it's episode 10. That was our whole get your fucking vaccine episode. <laughs> Shut up, everyone. And we were like, well, there's there's no there's no hiding it now, you know, which not that that was ever on the table. So, um, yeah, we've always been just putting putting that out there. Um, but yeah. So one of the questions that I had was because um, I know I mean, I'm you and I are Facebook friends and I, you know, see all your posts. And so, I mean, clearly you're not shy about uh, dragging your opponent, so to speak. And that's just so interesting to me because how do you walk that line? I don't know. Is there some sort of etiquette to that? I don't know. I, Joe, Joe has run for office before. I um, have not, obviously. Um, and so just kind of wondering because I think it's, I like that you do that because it feels real. Like, you know, this is who you're running against. Why are you better? And you're just going to come out and say it. But like, how do you walk that line? How do you decide what's okay to say? How hard to go? Like, I'm just, just curious. Um, I do all my own social media. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll talk to an elected official and they'll be like, so who does your social media? I'm like, me. They're like, you don't have like a college intern or some, you know, pay somebody. And I'm like, no, I just, I want it to be authentic and who I am. So, you know, everything that I post is, is authentically me. It's my personality that will never change. Uh, if I win this election, I'm still going to be me. And, um, yeah, I'm negative about the incumbent. And the the number one reason is because I don't like him. I think he's bad at his job. I think he's bad policy. I think he's bad for Baltimore County. And so I have to talk about it. And the people who live in Baltimore County, they should know about our elected officials, right? They should know what they're doing in office. They should know how they're using their bully pulpit. They should know how they're using their voice to affect legislation that affects everybody's lives. And when somebody hasn't been challenged in an election, look, the last time a Republican ran against him was in 2010, okay, 12 years ago. So he hasn't had to be on the campaign trail. There hasn't had to have been really an expose about his job performance. So most people just have no idea who the state's attorney is. So I felt like over the past two years has kind of been my job to inform the public of the things that he's doing in office, the things that he says publicly. Um, now, you know, sometimes I wonder, are, are people going to be turned off by negativity and all of that? But I think that the, the choice is so clear that uh, if somebody puts all, you know, in one, on, on one side of the scale, the terrible things he does and on the other side of the scale is saying, you know, I might be direct and aggressive about it. Hopefully they're still going to come away with the right choice. Well, and I mean, it, it, there's sense. a fine line when it comes to negativity where you are putting out sometimes obviously with your own spin, but factual information about, like you said, policy things, things that, that somebody has said. Uh, it's not like you're playing this, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop fucking ghost chase game. You're you're yeah. just going after actual, legitimate, relevant, policy related, job related action items. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're like you said, some people might be turned off by it, but you're putting it out there for people to di digest, evaluate, and ultimately, as they go in there and pull the curtain at the in the voting booth, they're they're going to make whatever decision they're going to make. And, it, you know, it's it's again, it's not like you're attacking him in dirty ways. 
Yeah, not I'm not talking about his appearance. I'm not talking about his family. I'm not talking about his age. I'm not talking about those things. You know, I'm just saying this is this is the way that he this is what he advocated for in Annapolis. Right. Like, here's a bill that nobody opposed except for him. It was a Democratic bill. It had Democratic co-sponsors and Governor Hogan vetoed it. And it was because of Scott Schellenberg. Right. You think there's a direct line between him to Hogan to that veto? Oh, yeah. I mean, there there, there has been, you know, whether it's dealing with, um, you know, juvenile sentencing or decriminalizing drug paraphernalia. You know, you can look at all these bills where the only listed witness against something is Scott Schellenberger. And then Hogan can take that testimony from Schellenberger, whether it's written or oral, and turn that into a veto letter, right? And say, here are the reasons why I'm vetoing this piece of legislation. And, you know, we, we had this debate at University of Maryland a few months ago, law school. And, you know, we spent the whole hour talking about all these different issues and all these different uh, policy ideas and how he's against it, I'm for it, or vice versa. And, you know, at one of our last questions was kind of about, like, the political nature. Here, here, I'll tell you what the question was. It was, Baltimore County is a purplish county. What are you going to do in November to make sure Democrats win? And his answer was, well, I wish I didn't have to have a D next to my name. I wish I could run as a nothing and I would be happy. And my response was, and he says, you know, I don't put politics in it. You know, Robbie is always so political. And I say, you're political. You're just on the Republican side of every piece of legislation. You're on the Republican side of policy. You know, you're always against Democratic proposals. And so, you know, it, it, it is a political job because you have to take certain positions. And we live in a world where Democrats have values on one side, Republicans have values on the other, and he just aligns with Republican values. Let me ask you this to, to kind of tack onto this, this kind of this his feelings toward the the, the party and, and the association of party and otherwise what was you know we know now that baltimore county's purplish today in 2022 what what was the makeup of baltimore county in 2004 2005 2006 at times in which he was obviously running that first time and or gearing up to run that first time good question um Okay, so we're in 2018 was Hogan's second election, Hogan won. 2014, Hogan won Baltimore County. 2010, Martin O'Malley wins Baltimore County for governor. 2006, Martin O'Malley wins. 2002, Bob Ehrlich wins. So Baltimore County has always been like the bellwether in the governor's race. Okay, so Baltimore County, we've only had one Republican county executive ever since the existence of Baltimore County. Uh, but, you know, it, it can go Republican in, in governor's races. And um, the resorting of political parties is, is kind of tracked nationally. Uh, like, you've got your Trump Republicans. So people who used to be Democrats, they were like John F. Kennedy Democrats on the east side of the county are all now MAGA Republicans, right? Your white working class, your blue collar retired steel workers who used to be reliable Democratic voters. Now they're Republicans. But like west side of Baltimore County is majority African-American, typically uh, Democratic voters. And then your central northern Baltimore County in, in part of that political resorting that they might used to have been Mitt Romney Republicans or John Kasich kind of Republicans. They're all shifting more towards those suburban Democrats where they're higher educated, higher earning uh, kind of Democrats. So it's like this interesting shift in, in voting behavior, but um, I think it's still overall like a bluish county. So, I mean, maybe that was some of kind of the motivation for why he ran originally, potentially kind of 
hey, this guy's going to sweep me in or, or, you know, seeing who the early on, who the strong horse is going to be in the race that's at the top of the ballot, perhaps? Oh, man, I'll tell you. When he first got in, now, Joe Beth, you ran before for yeah. office. Um, it's tough to raise money, right? It, it's, I don't know it's, we talked about this on the podcast before. So for our listeners that don't know, Jobeth did run for office a couple of years ago. So, so branching out from this kind of weird convoluted party topic, I ran for house of delegates here in Cecil County, which is now a very, very right, very red, very, you know, Republican jurisdiction almost throughout. And it, and when I moved here in 2008, it really wasn't, it was trending toward that, but had been a, a democratic stronghold, but not the traditional, what we as a US public think of as Democrats, more like Dixiecrats, like slave owning Democrats, uh, let's be real. Uh, and I'm not saying that in 2008, anybody here owned slaves, but there are, are literally people who do your own research, can you can figure out who they are, deceased now, um, that had long served in the House of Delegates as Democrats from Cecil County, who, if you went to their house, they had tables that at the, the base of the tables had bells. So that, and, and they didn't just have them there for show, they were so that the servants knew when to come in and do what they needed to do, still had these you know, in time, but it was, it was definitely something where here you've seen people that were like, we had, a, we have a register of wills here now who, you know, Democrat through and through, if you talk to her and had a conversation with her Democrat through and through um, in, in uh, 18 was the last. So 14, she was washed out by a Republican who, quite frankly, didn't know what the hell he was doing, switched her party over to Republican to rerun back for the seat in 18 and won. And yeah. she's not alone in doing that. There are people who, you know, told me four years ago, you know, and I was, I'm an independent. I'm, I'm pretty middle of the road. I have for my entire life switched my party back and forth, depending on what was going to be on that primary ballot and who I wanted to vote for. So currently right now, I, because of that, I am registered as a Republican because there are far right nuts that are running in all three of the seats that oh, are open. I like that I know this about you. Yeah, for, for, for county council. And I need to vote for not them. And I'll also, for the record, be voting in the primary for Dan Cox because he is a nutbag. And I want him going against whatever, <laughs> whoever comes out of the Democratic he's, primary. He's going he's gonna to win. I Joe, hope Joe he Beth, Joe Beth. So, so, so. But I was told by many people, if you had switched your party to Republican in that primary, I would have whipped my opponent's ass. But yeah. to me, with the the at the time, it was just one supermajority. Now there are two supermajorities in Annapolis. I would have gone down there and done absolutely nothing. And I wasn't right. interested in that. And I have to step away for a moment. I'm going to mute myself. Liz, keep going um, because I've got a service guy here at my house. Yeah. So, so Liz, what Joe Beth hasn't told you, what he what he what he's walking away from right here is that when he ran for office, raising money is extremely hard to do. Okay, getting somebody to want to pay you to go live your dream, you know, of running for office, it's tough. To yeah, do that work. makes sense. No one pays me to live my dream. Right. So, so you know, his, his original question was, you know, like, why did, why did Scott Schellenberger register as a Democrat when he ran in 2006? Well, the county executive at the time was a Democrat, and he had a slate called the Victory Slate. That slate gave Scott Schellenberger $435,000 in his campaign to run. And I don't know, I still don't know till this day what they were trying to get out of having the head prosecutor for Baltimore County basically on their payroll, right? So, you know, to me, that's why he chose to run as a Democrat because he was riding in with the Democratic County Executive on that team receiving almost a half a million dollars to do so. Because people were just donating to that whole slate? 
I wouldn't say people were donating to the whole slate. As in like corporations or people. Yeah. So like corporations, developers, people that wanted a a chunk of Baltimore County, right? They wanted to get something out of it. Um, You know, the county executive had this slate. This is like funnel this money to me and you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. I mean, campaign finance was like my least favorite, like one of the least favorite topics in law school when we had to cover it. I was like, I just was not into it. I was like, and now, I mean, you're, you're living it. So is, is. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we've been really successful. Um, Look, I'm not raising a million dollars or anything in a, in a state's attorney's race, but um, the, the amount of contributions that I've received, just like the, the number of individual donors who just live in Baltimore County who, who are pitching in, and sometimes it's $5, right? Um, which is awesome. Like I, I, if I could get every single person to donate five bucks, I'd be rich and, and be able to do whatever I wanna do. Because at this point, when we're just over a month away from election day, you know, we need to be making decisions on how many pieces of mail can I send out to voters for them to get to know who I am? And how many voters can I contact? Because you can't send a piece of mail to everybody if you don't have you know, unlimited funds to do that. So yeah. um, it's really it's really interesting um, with campaign finance. I've been a huge advocate for public campaign financing. Um, so like in, in some counties, there's a public matching program we're on the way of having something like that here in Baltimore County. It won't be for state's attorneys race, but it will be for like county council or county executive. And those are great for democracy because it allows more people to be able to run for office and not have to rely on like developer contributions, like these huge $6,000 checks. Do you think that not having financing or financial resources precludes people from running for office that otherwise, you know, maybe should be running, would be well suited for it? Yeah, I mean, because people just have no idea. Like I said, nobody knows who the current state's attorney is. No one would know somebody challenging an elected official. Um, You know, I I remember a guy was running for judge in Baltimore City uh, a couple cycles ago. And we were talking outside of jail one day and he's like, oh, I've got I've got the best website ever. Like I'm working really hard on my website. And I said, nobody's going to go to your website. (laughs) I said, you're running for judge against the judges. Like no one's going to even know you exist to go look for your website. Right. And so like the typical voter, especially voting for a judge, they're going to see that name for the first time when they, they get the ballot. Exactly. When they walk in on election day, like they're probably going to walk past the person handing out something for, for uh, president you know, they're going to say, oh, I know who I'm voting for. Right. But then when they see the person handing out something like, oh, here's the sitting judges, they're like, oh, give me that. Right. Um, and they're probably going to do the same thing for state's attorney. Like, here's who's running for state's attorney. And on election day, they're going to look for the very first time at somebody's piece of literature. And if you don't have money, you can't even print out enough stuff. And, and most candidates, especially if you're running countywide like me, do you even know 500 people that can volunteer on election day at all of the polling places all across the entire county, right? It's, it's really hard. So you need to have money and the lack of money does uh, deny people the opportunity to have a serious campaign. Yeah, that's, um, I guess I haven't really, it's not a world that I've ever thought about. So this is all, this is all really interesting. Um, what's been? I mean, you can come to Hartford County along the Route 40 go- corridor and see all of Glenn Glass's spray painted signs, <laughs> and then when you meet him in person, it all will make sense. Uh, what's been the most fun part about this whole process for you, if if any, if any of it's been fun? Man, I'm glad you put in that last line about if any of it is fun. Look, I like talking to people. Um, campaigning during COVID sucks. Uh, you know, Zooming with you guys, this is fun because we're actually having a conversation. Um, but, but like in the old days, when you could go to a democratic club or any kind of, you know, in-person meeting where there might be 50 people there or 30 people there or whatever, you know, you could, you could stand up and talk in front of the group, but then 
afterward or before you, you can go in the back of the room and grab somebody and shake hands with people and have one-on-one -on -one conversations, have someone say, Hey, this is Robbie. Come, come meet my friend over here. Right. But you can't do that on zoom. You know, you, you have these zoom uh, community association meetings and there's 30 people and maybe four people have their videos on for you to look at. And otherwise you're just looking at people's names on a screen. Um, so it really takes away the, the social interactions campaigning during COVID. But, but traditionally, I really do like talking to people. And I like to meet the people who are like Joe Beth, who might switch their party every election. And the, those people are like the, the smart ones where it's not just saying, hey, I'm a Democrat, vote for me. And they're like, okay, gotcha. Like you have to engage with each other, find what makes them tick find out, hey, you might disagree on something, you might agree on another, but find that like common ground that you have with somebody and they find out I'm an actual human being, I'm a real person. And, uh, you know, I, I love those conversations. I, I really just never forget those when I have them with people. So that's awesome. I, um, so it's, so it, but it sounds like it's a stressful time too. Um, totally stressful. Uh, I have a lot of anxiety. No one would know it on social media. I'm all happy smiles, but uh, no, man, I, I have like had a cold, you know, my immune system is down. Uh, Cause it's like, I can wake up in the, like I can have an interview in a day and then I go to bed and then I wake up at three in the morning. I'm like, Oh my God, this is what I should have said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but uh, no, it's all fun. So, um, so let's get to know you a little more as a person. We've done a lot of serious talk this episode. This has been a very serious episode for us. Um, so can I ask you some fun questions or do you want more serious? We can do more serious if you want. Let's let's get crazy. All right. So I have a couple questions prepared. Um, let's go with a classic uh, that, you know, I feel like all lawyers are asked. Uh, what's your favorite fictional law person or, you know, movie show? What's your favorite fictional law thing daredevil okay daredevil is probably why i'm a lawyer that it's i've been collecting daredevil comic books since i was in elementary school i have like probably like five six hundred different issues of daredevil right now and uh love it that's that's me right there his it, it, for people who don't know, I don't know you losers. Daredevil is a Marvel uh, superhero who's blind, right? But in his alter ego, in in real life, he's lawyer Matt Murdock, right? Justice is blind, just like lawyer Matt Murdock is. Uh, so he, he's a, a a vigilante fighter at night, kind of like Batman, and during the day, he's an attorney. So that's me. My recommendation, if you would like it in the the video format, is to skip the Ben Affleck movie and jump right <laughs> into the series that came out on Netflix originally. It may still be on Netflix. They may have moved it over to Disney Plus. I don't know what happened with all that, um, but it's the one that ties in also with Punisher and um Jessica Jane and um, um, Iron Fist and uh, uh, yeah. Luke Cage. Yeah, they were and all then the really defenders. Good. Watch, watch those Daredevils on Netflix. Very good. So good. Marvel's too violent for me. <laughs> and these are the really violent ones. Too. They are. Like, the Marvel Comics universe, like Thor, Captain America. Daredevil is way more violent than all of this. I couldn't handle that. I don't like too much like action. It's too intense for me. Then do not do not watch The Boys on Amazon Prime, okay? I can't even talk about, I can't even give that as a recommendation on social media because I will be canceled tomorrow if I say, <laughs> go watch The Boys. Then, then I'm going to have all of my, uh, you know, supporters turn it on and be like, oh my God, what did I watch? My husband watched it and it's like, uh, he knows like anything. He'll be like, you're not going to like this. And I'm like, all right, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. When my wife walks past, I'm like, oh my God, please don't look at the TV. It's pretty disturbing. It's a disturbing show. Cancel this podcast. Delete this. Erase it. Don't let people know. I it. <laughs> Trust me, if enough people listened, we'd already be canceled. All right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is a growing audience somehow week in and week out. But maybe everybody hasn't gone back to some of those. Hey, 
spoiler alert, we're going to piss some people off here. Let's go. <laughs> so, all right. So what else, what else are you watching? Um, especially when you're trying to get through, you know, at the, at the end of, at the end of the day and what do you don't want to think anymore? What's like your, your thing at the end of the day, like, you know, a show movie, what are, what are you doing when you're like, I want something stupid. I want to turn my brain off. Yeah. So, uh, just finished kind of Stranger Things season four, waiting for the, the last two episodes to come out in July. Uh, love Stranger Things. What else? I love horror. I watch like, that's really the only movies that I watch are like all horror movies. I can go on any channel or streaming service and I'm like, what is a horror movie I haven't seen? And it's really hard for me to even figure out. I'm like, I got to watch this for like 15 minutes. And I'm like, wait, I've seen this before, but I don't even remember what the names are. I just turn it on and watch, but I, I love horror. Yeah, that's like, too scary for me. I'll tell you the last horror movie I watched was um, A Quiet Place, uh, the first one. I think they made a second one. And yeah, and, 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 and so the second one, I was watching it and like the first like 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, wait, didn't I, didn't I see this? Like Quiet Place number two, it starts like almost the same way as the first one. So it's extremely confusing because um, you're like, wait a minute, didn't the guy die in, in, in the first one? And spoiler alert. Okay. And yeah. so and, and you got to watch number two, <clears throat> but it's good. It's, yeah. It's what I, I watch. All right. Um, Growing up, I was a big fan of, uh, did you ever see the uh, Puppet Master movies? I loved them. Yeah. I love Puppet Master. Puppet Master, Hellraiser, those were kind of my jams growing up. Yeah, back back when they had video stores, I used to go to Cranbrook Video in Cockeysville and just go straight to the horror. My parents probably thought I was very disturbed. Um, <laughs> back in the day, they, there used to be uh, t Channel 54, okay, like WBFF, Channel 54, and every Saturday they had Black Belt Theater and Nightmare Theater. And I would watch both of those every Saturday religiously. Anything that they put on Nightmare Theater is all kinds of crazy horror stuff. All right. Um, yeah, that's like so not so not my world. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, it's like my husband's into horror movies and I'm just like, what? Why? This why? is the insight that you're going to get on your candidates here at Air Quote Law Pod that you're never going to get at a debate. Yeah. Just so you know. Yeah. I want to now I want to know Schellenberger's favorite movie. Okay. Cause I'm ready to debate him about it. Well, look, yeah. there there is, and we've posted it on social media. I posted on social media, which was way too last minute to see if anybody had any questions that they wanted asked. And I did not say who was going to be on. And I, I was very clear that if anybody submits a question and we have other candidates who join us on the podcast here in the future, that we will ask the same questions to the same people. That invitation is certainly open. Um, we don't really care. Um, you know, I think that it's, it, there aren't enough opportunities for people in the electorate to really get to know much of anything. Kind of like what you were saying and how important money ends up being in these campaigns is because there isn't enough access to this kind of information. And I don't mean in the format that we're doing this now. I mean, I could sit here and, and, and you know, puff up what we're doing and how we're doing it all day, because why not? But you don't. There's so many people down ballot that you have no idea who they are. There are in these, you know, in, in the off year, so to speak. And when we talk about the off year, we mean the, the non-presidential year. The turnout is generally so much lower than in the presidential years that, you know, there, there are not going to be this November, 80 million people that vote in these midterm elections. There's just not. And it's a shame. It, a lot of that, that boils down to the access to information, the, the desire to know any of the above. You know, you know for, for this year, I think another big reason that uh, there's not going to be a lot of turnout, not going to be a lot of interest is it was a redistricting year where we had a new map drawn and it was done so late. Um, you know, the, the actual election day was pushed back and the deadline to file for office was pushed back because, you know, the, the maps had not been approved. And 
so many people who wanted to run for office, whether it was for delegate or state senate or council, they didn't because they didn't know what district they were going to be living in. And they thought, you know, how can I actually run a vibrant campaign and get out there and meet people and get them to know who I am if I only have like a couple months to do it? Right. And so. Well, the key is to have your parents live in a different district and use their address. That way you can <laughs> you can run in whichever district you want to run in. Um, that might be a hit close to home here in Cecil County. Yeah, people, <laughs> people like to do stuff like that. Yep. I, what I was interested to see as the redistricting lines have put the individual that I may or may not be referencing, now both properties are in the actual district that he's running in. And being thrown at someone specific. Per, per, perhaps. Um, so my whole contention was, how long does it take now that he, both of the houses that 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 are there are in the district that he files in the address that he actually lives in? When, when does he start being honest? We'll see. Right now, he's still at the old, uh, his parents' address, probably because of the uncertainty and where the district lines would be leading into things. But yeah, uh, but yeah we, we are not talking about the Baltimore County state's attorney's race because that, that's, that's not who I'm talking about. <laughs> no, but it was, it was easy for me since uh, I knew the Baltimore County map was always going to stay the same running for state's attorney redistricting didn't affect me at all so i'm grateful for that and yeah. and as you mentioned for anybody who's curious about these sort of things as if they matter a whole lot but you mentioned the the uh cranbrook videos in cockeysville which leads me to believe that you are a lifelong baltimore countyan i am yeah born and raised yep grew up here went to delaney high school towson university and then university of baltimore so I've been here forever. That's like, it's funny because sometimes I'll get trolls on social media. And right before sometimes. I walked into this, I, I was battling this anonymous white supremacist troll on Facebook who humors me. Um, but one, one time a guy who was a real person, he found me and he commented like, oh, you're going to make Baltimore County like Baltimore City. And, and we don't need all those murders here in Baltimore County. And I said... I don't want all the murders here in Baltimore County. Like this is where I grew up. I'm 40 years old. I've lived here my whole life and now I'm raising my kids here. I've got two sons. Like I don't want murders in Baltimore County. And he's like, Oh, that's a good point. You know? And I'm like, and I looked the guy up and he lived in Dundalk. He was a libertarian. And, and I said, you know, my criminal justice beliefs are mostly libertarian. Like look at the libertarian party platform. Look at my platform. They're going to be almost identical for criminal, uh, justice and then i said you know has your neighborhood gotten safer in the past 16 years no well we've had somebody in office for 16 years so don't blame me if things are getting worse here in baltimore county it's getting worse under the current guy and if you want something different vote for somebody different that makes sense and i guess and he Agreed with you, I guess. He did agree. He you know, he totally, like, he started out the conversation, like, I'm going to troll this Democrat, right? And then I just totally engaged him. And at the end of it, he's like, yeah, that sounds really good to me. And it's like, that. there you go. So as a lifelong Baltimore Countyan, um, I'm, I'm in the county now. Um, I've always grown up, you know, kind of near here, but um, not always in Baltimore County. What is like your favorite, like Baltimore County, like institution, if you will, like one of your favorite things about the county, you know, restaurant, a place, what, what do you like? Yeah. Um, look, we talked about Cranbrook Road in Cockeysville. I'm, I got to go with uh, Corner Stable. Okay, if you've never had ribs at the corner stable, I highly recommend getting some ribs and French fries. You dip your fries in that barbecue sauce. We are such a food podcast, not a law podcast. I love talking about food. I believe oh, I have, but I... Mm. So that's that's a spot right there. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Pappas crab cake guy. Oprah's favorite. There you go. <laughs> um. Yeah, those are those are some of my institutions right there. Yeah, I love love a Pappas crab cake. This is getting real. I'll tell I'll tell you my I'll tell you my favorite if you want to know my favorite. I do, I do. Yeah. Um 
Uh, you know what? No, I might be wrong. It might be the city. I might, I might be incorrect because uh, it's so close to, to where I am. Um, I was going to say my favorite is, uh, is, is Chaps in the parking lot of, of the strip club, but that's like, oh yeah, that's, that's like right by, that's right on the line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are, they make, um, they have like the best roast beef sandwiches. They've been on diners, drive-ins and dives and they are outside of a strip club, but you know what? Love it. It's wonderful. Um, Chaps is pretty good, but you know, you know, like it's weird that pit beef is like a Baltimore thing. I, I didn't know that until recently. Yeah. But I mean, like I grew up with pit beef and I'm a pit turkey guy. Oh, I love pit turkey. And you just can't go wrong. You know, you just find, you just drive anywhere in Baltimore County. You find the shack that says pit beef, wherever it is. And it's going to be good. You know, get the tiger sauce. It's good. Yeah. My favorite, gotta- like one of my favorite fat boy things is going to any of these pit beef places. There's a chaps that's in Aberdeen. Um, so Hartford County, but there's also a, um, I'm blanking on the name of it, but there's a pit beef place that's almost within smelling distance of my house here. And um, to get a cheeseburger with the pit beef on top of it, uh, you know, a beef on beef sandwich. That is, yeah, that's my fucking jam. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. Yeah. My heart would disagree, but, you know, sometimes you got to indulge. Yeah, we love we love talking about food on this podcast. So, um, we yeah. all, all paths lead us to food conversations. It seems. Yeah. I'm good, with, I'm good with that. I can handle that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause one of our most listened to episodes, we did an episode on, on Benji's. Um, Oh man. Yeah. Their, their whole drama. And that's how with, I with their whole like, uh, hiring, that's exactly yeah. what it was. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it is it is sad that every time I drive past there now, I do think about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, what was fun for us and that and it was not knowledge to me until we got into this episode was learning about the through this and through some of their rules, their previous dispute with the Royal Farms across the street, right. which was was kind of a wild looking ride. Um you know, you just, you don't know till you start digging into stuff and being like, wow, that shit happened. And the, the nuts won. But, um, well, so, you know, you know, Liz, like that's another Baltimore County thing. And so like running, running for a countywide office, I think so many people who live in Baltimore County, like are in their portion of the County and you don't, you don't get all the way around at all. It's weirdly shaped, you know, it surrounds Baltimore. City. Yeah, there are parts of, because I'm in the county, there are parts I never go to. Yeah, there's parts that you would have no reason to go to. But one thing that that wherever you are in Baltimore County, there's going to be some neighborhood dispute about a new incoming Royal Farms. And it's <laughs> it's like this thing where if, if you're in like all these weird neighborhood Facebook groups, you're always going to see like a battle, like, oh, they're going to develop a royal farms here and it's it's just this crazy uh thing and it's like you haven't had their fried chicken and western fries yet like wait you're gonna be on their team when they i love i love royal farms i it's so good i just get get a pulled chicken sandwich from royal farms if you haven't had one they just rip up a piece of chicken and put it on a sandwich delicious i have not i'm always just the classic um you know fried chicken like when i don't know what to do for dinner i'm like i will just stop and like get a chicken box yeah when you could bring in food to orioles games which i miss that you can't really do that anymore not to the extent that you could but we would just like go to royal farms and buy like just like a shit ton of chicken and just bring it in to the games um look this is a this is a public service announcement to you and to all the listeners seriously get a pulled chicken sandwich there get like the chesapeake one they put like the chesapeake sauce this chesapeake sauce it's so good it's so good it's so good and and they just like take a thigh and just put all the meat from that thigh on a sandwich and you can get all kinds of different sauces like garlic aioli they're really good the chesapeake sauce is great i recently discovered their breakfast their waffle breakfast sandwiches they are good Royal Farms, if you want to sponsor this podcast, like. I was going to say, Joe Beth, you might want to look at my campaign finance reports. You're going to see that Royal Farms has given me $10,000. <laughs> Imagine that now we know how money in politics works now for those know. of us who have I'm haven't. really just here 
to talk about Royal Farms and all my interviews. I'm okay. I'm okay with it though. Gotta love it. So, um, some housekeeping stuff. This episode is scheduled to air on June 16th, which is a Thursday. So if you're hearing it now, we're a little over a month until the primary election. Some, if you've got mail-in ballots or absentee ballots, they may already be approaching you. Early voting is starting relatively soon. I don't remember exactly what date. One of the, one of the great pleasures of not running for office is I don't have these actual dates handy. Um, between now, and when I say now, I mean the, let's assume the 16th and the, the final primary election date, what are some opportunities that you know of if somebody wants to meet you in the world, you know, shake your hand, ask you questions, point blank to your face. What, what are some opportunities for people to do that? Sure. Um, well, number one, they can go and learn more about me at voterobbyleonard.com. Um, my email is info at voterobbyleonard.com. Um, people find me on social media at RobbieLeonardSA. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, talk to me anywhere. Um, I have a forum coming up. I don't know what the um, audience interaction can be, if the audience can ask any kinds of questions, but I believe it's on June 26. I'm trying to pull up my calendar now. Uh, which is with the League of Women Voters and Randallstown NAACP. So it's going to be like a Zoom forum, but people can log into that. Um, so that's going to be a good one. Um, if you go to uh, voterobbyleonard.com and click volunteer, you can sign up to do, we do like sign waving in the mornings. I think some afternoons we go door to door. So this Saturday, we're going to have a big canvas uh, where we're meeting in Catonsville. I think we'll be knocking on doors in Randallstown. But if you're listening to this next week, this has already happened. <laughs> um, but we have canvases all the time uh, where we're going door to door and we do phone banking. Uh, we partner up with uh, Senator Mary Washington, who now will be representing uh, downtown Towson. Uh, we do phone banking from her headquarters in Belvedere Square. Uh, we do postcard writing where people can do that from home or meet in a group of people. Um, and in any of those places, you might meet me, you might talk to me, um, but just shoot me an email and I'd love to chat with you. And if for one re reason or another, you can't find him on social media, which is kind of impossible to not be able to do these days, feel free to reach out to us. We'll forward any messages and connect you to Robbie the best way that we can. Um, and if people want like, signs or stickers or can they find those at your website as well do it do it all of it is at voterobbyleonard.com click volunteer okay and if you click volunteer you can sign up for a yard sign um we have a, a bunch of t-shirts if you want a t-shirt you got to do something for us though okay yard <laughs> sign all you have to do is click a box and we'll bring a yard sign to your house if you want a t-shirt you got to get out there and work at a polling place maybe during early voting which is july 7th through the 14th we're on actual election day on July 19th, but we're happy to get you a shirt if you're going to work for it. Love it. And maybe Robbie, we will send you some of some of our stickers. Um, yes. So if you if you if you want those there, you, there's one with my face on it. So you are know. they scratch and sniff? Not yet. No, <laughs> if we could order those. Um, I will look. What would it. what would your smell be if you guys could have an official podcast? Scratch and sniff. What would be the official scent of this podcast? Oh, my God. I, I don't mean, know if we have just one, but I can tell you that there's one sticker in particular that probably shouldn't get oh, scratch no. and sniff honors. There's one that shouldn't. Um, I feel like our podcast, I feel like we all run on, on large amounts of coffee. <laughs> um, so probably probably that. I feel like that would be the, the smell, you know. Okay. Okay. But, Leave it I, at that. Yeah, I I know I know the sticker that Joe is talking about. Um, refer back to our our Looky Lou episode. Um, that's yeah. We'll make sure that we send you a few of those, and you can ask your wife what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's the game. So, um, she's not going to have anything to do with that. I, I will assure you. <laughs> it's for having a look see. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say to um, the the audience of this this very small pod? 
Look, this is going to be a, a really small turnout, guys, but it's a really huge opportunity to make change. You know, like I said, we've had the same guy in here for 16 years in Baltimore County, and I don't think things are going in the right direction. Um, so if you're looking for doing something different and just to have real improvement, to have openness, transparency, and accountability in a state's attorney's office, have a fair and equal criminal justice system that fights for victims and fights for everybody equally, um, give me a chance. So again, it's voterobbyleonard.com and vote Robbie Leonard on July 19th. And guys, I really appreciate you having me here. Uh, I look forward to, to seeing what the engagement is out here. I look forward to seeing people uh, eating Royal Farms chicken sandwiches. Uh, this was paid for by Royal Farms. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you guys, really. Yeah, thanks, thanks, for, so thanks for taking the time to come on. I thank know you got a lot so going much. on running your practice and running for office. Uh, having done so four years ago, I know what a toll that takes. So uh, mad props to you for that. All right, guys. We well, all have a great rest of your day, okay? Thank all right. You. All right, take care. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast, Back to the Arena, the Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the Interviews. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.